Hi, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome each of you this afternoon. Corporately, we're here together to remember, and we continue in our grief and mourning. Our Lord Jesus is described in Scripture as a man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief. He has a gift to us in that he has suffered. He understands grieving. He wept at Lazarus' tomb, and he loves you each very, very much. Nothing I could say or anyone here could necessarily take away the pain you're feeling. Today, we corporately grieve together here today in a community, which is a gift in itself. But individually, we grieve potentially separate and different from the very person sitting next to you. The reality is that only the Lord Jesus, as we tuck into him, can comfort us. And I pray that today, as you go through this service of remembrance, understanding that in some ways you may grieve every single day of the rest of your life, the loss of your loved one, that as we realize more and more of our loved ones are graduating to be with our Lord Jesus, picture them in his lap, you know, nothing in Scripture tells us we can talk to those who have passed, but we can certainly talk to the one who's holding them on his lap. Tell them, dear Father, dear Lord, that we love them, that we miss them. One day, we're told in Scripture that we will no longer mourn. We will no longer be in a room like this. We will no longer have tears. Tears are a gift from our Lord, he could have chosen to water our eyes any way he wanted to, but the gift is actually in the tears. We're told in Scripture that he actually collects those tears. He holds them. He won't allow them to fall on the ground. We only love and cry together. We cry for those we love. And some of you have very large vases of collected tears. And one day we're told in Revelation that we'll hear the sweet words, no more. I believe, I can't prove it, I don't have a verse to back this one up, but I believe the Lord has a bookshelf behind him or alongside of him with a vase with every one of your names on it. He is collecting your tears even today. He's adding to that vase. And one day as you stand before him, as you pass into his presence, he will take that vase, he'll break it on the ground in front of you and tell you no more. Some of you have experienced grief that I couldn't even begin to understand. I don't understand. But he does, and he loves you very much. 
Let's pray as we dedicate the service to him. Father, these precious lambs are sitting here, many in pain, as they remember their loved ones. It's a difficult time of year to be without loved ones. Father, you have described your Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus, in Scripture as a man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your conquering death, that we have the reality of heaven and the reality that those who pass in your Son, Jesus, will one day be reunited with us at the throne. What a beautiful song we just heard. I pray, Father, that each one sitting in this room right now would not just know intellectually that you are their comfort, but that they would feel your arms around them, that they would feel your hands wiping their tears. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort. We call on that aspect of your character today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good afternoon. And good afternoon. And welcome everyone to Blue Christmas, both here today and those of you joining us online. We have been praying for each and every one of you throughout all of our planning. This ministry is created through love, compassion, and empathy for grievers, by grievers. Each of us have been where you are, and we believe no one should feel alone in their grief. Every song, every Bible verse that you hear today was carefully selected with you in mind. Each candle was hand-decorated with love, and we even light a single candle for those who are not named in our program. Our hope for you today is that through this service and through the stories that you hear, that you learn through Jesus, you can find hope and peace and healing. Through the promises God has given us, we know we haven't lost our loved ones, but that we have gained treasures in heaven. As we celebrate Christmas, we are reminded that Christ was God's gift to us. And through that gift, we have the promise of eternal life and will one day be re reunited with our loved ones in heaven, in the presence of our Savior. Let us join the worship team as we sing of all the good that God has done for us.
reading from Lamentations 3, 20 through 25. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And now we'll be reading from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
face Whatever the fear, whatever the cost You always draw near Whatever the pain, whatever may come Whatever may fall, your love overcomes Your love overcomes and I will call, I will call upon you
This reading comes from 2 Thessalonians 3:16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. John 14:27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Growing up, I would always look up into the sky and stare at the stars. I always dreamed of being an astronaut and working for NASA. I never imagined doing anything else. I started playing piano when I was six years old, and I absolutely hated it. My mom made all three of us take lessons. Jacob hated it the most out of all of us. Jacob loved to hunt. He loved being in the outdoors more than anything. Cute she is. This is Sally, um, Jacob's hunting dog and best friend. One of my favorite things about Jacob was he would never say a bad word about anyone. If I would even start to say something bad about someone, he would immediately stop me. He was the kindest person I've ever met. He would always make everyone feel so included and loved and welcome. Jacob was always the life of a party. He was always so funny and goofy and was just such a joy to be around. It was 3.30 in the morning and my sister came running into my room. She said, Anne, I think something happened to Jacob. And so I look outside and the only thing I can see are flashing blue lights. I run downstairs and the first thing I see are six policemen standing in front of my front door. They all had really sad faces. So I walked into the living room and I see my parents. My mom was sitting on the chair, screaming and crying. My dad was sitting on the couch with his head in his hands. And I just walked over to him and I just said, Dad, is he dead? He had just died in a car accident three hours prior. I was in shock. I couldn't even cry at that moment. It's probably the most hopeless feeling in the entire world when you lose someone that you love. It almost feels like you cannot take your next breath. I heard the Lord say to me so clearly, trust me or are you not so I turned around and I faced the doors in that room and I said to the Lord Jesus I trust you as a family it was very devastating to lose Jacob when you lose someone you love there's a decision that has to be made it's very easy to be angry at the Lord and to blame him but the Lord really showed me that I needed him more than anyone and that he's sovereign and that he's good no matter what. Yes, I have questions and 
and it's okay to have questions, but there was no point for me to be angry at the Lord when I needed him most. The next morning, um, I got some time to myself and I sat down at the piano and I just started to sing, what a beautiful name. I really just took that time to thank the Lord for giving me Jacob for the years that I had him. And as I was playing and just worshiping the Lord, my parents um, came in and they heard me singing it. And they asked me if I would be willing to sing it at the funeral. And at first I said, no, absolutely not. Uh, I had never sang in front of anyone before. And so I sat down with the Lord and I just talked to him and prayed with him. And I just, I really felt him calling me to sing at the funeral. And so I eventually decided that I would sing and I got some friends together and we put together a version of What a Beautiful Name. As I walked up on stage and I sat at the piano, the Lord took every bit of nervousness away from me. I heard him say to me so clearly that I was called to worship him. And he was saying to me, I'm calling you to worship me, to praise my name and to glorify me. And at that point I had no further interest in NASA or doing anything like that. And all I had in me was the desire to worship the Lord and praise him. The Lord has really put on my heart how he can bring beauty from ashes and has done that completely in my life. I feel so honored and grateful that I get to share that with people. And then I get to tell my story with people on how the Lord completely has transformed this awful and depressing and terrible tragedy into something so beautiful. For me, moving forward, no matter how hard this gets, I'm choosing to trust God. This next song we're gonna sing was written by Anne, um, just as a product of her testimony that beauty can come from ashes. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Well, he makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he could do for you. Work it all for your good Let me tell you about my Jesus 
Calvary, pay the price for all my guilty. Who could care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he makes a way. We all have a story. Just by looking at someone, you never know what they have been through or are currently going through. Sometimes our stories take us to a page we never expected, and life as we know it changes in just one second. I'll begin my story with the day my husband Wes and I were married. We said our vows right here on this stage 14 years ago. We bought a house in a great neighborhood, landed good jobs after college, and got a little dog who we named Riley. We were then blessed with two beautiful girls, Alexa and Kendall. Alexa was born first in 2011, and then Kendall came three years later in 2014. Life seemed so perfect with our two adorable, sweet little girls. Our home was filled with love and laughter as the girls grew. It was the life I always dreamed of having. I incorporated a well-known phrase into my motherhood, which was to live each day to the fullest for you never know what tomorrow may bring. So I did my best to make the most out of every day, even on the harder days during the early years of motherhood. We made many memories together at the zoo, playgrounds, museums, farms, and many other fun places. I was blessed to be able to spend so much time with my girls and I cherished every moment. Once I became a mother, I was more in tune to the world around me and began to realize just how fragile life is. The evening news became too much for me to watch and I was just so grateful to God each night that my babies were tucked in and safe in their beds. I had such a deep love for them, so deep that I would ask myself, is it possible to love someone too much? Looking back, I think God had already started preparing my heart for what was to come. It was a couple months before Kendall's third birthday when she came down with a low-grade fever. After a week of having it, I took her to the doctor and was told that it was a virus going around and to just give it some time. So she did end up improving, but then the fever came back and it would come and go over the next couple of weeks along with additional symptoms such as belly pain, tiredness, irritability, lack of appetite, and weakness. 
I began to worry and I knew something wasn't right when I noticed her distended abdomen one night at bedtime. My motherly instinct told me that something was very wrong. I took her to the doctor the next day and we were immediately sent for an ultrasound and blood work. The following day, I got a call to pack our bags and head downtown to Cleveland Clinic Children's Hospital. All we knew was that her blood work revealed that something was going on and they needed to figure out the cause quickly. Upon arrival to the ER, more blood was taken and they repeated the ultrasound. The next thing I knew, Kendall was being admitted and we still did not know why. You can imagine our frustration, but looking back, we know they were just protecting us until they could get us on the right floor with the right team of doctors. On June 23rd, 2017, we received the devastating news that our sweet Kendall had a large tumor in her abdomen, which was believed to be neuroblastoma. Our hearts sank and we were consumed with fear and intense anguish. I remember patting my arms and legs over and over to see if I was really there in that room. I felt like I was out of my body and I wasn't sure if this was really real. I barely remember anything else the doctor said as I was in complete shock. We would never be the same from that point on, not physically, not emotionally, not spiritually. We were forever changed in that moment. Her main tumor was on her left adrenal gland, but the cancer had already spread to many other places. More scans and a biopsy later confirmed that it was indeed stage four neuroblastoma. We would eventually find out that she carried a gene that would make her battle even tougher and decrease her chance of survival. We spent the next 28 days in the hospital as she had her port and feeding tube placed and then started her chemo. We were forced into a world we didn't want to be in. We were deep in the valley and didn't know where to begin with picking up the pieces of our shattered hearts. I was in a fog those first few days and asking God, why her? I didn't understand how I was supposed to do this, how I could be there for our other daughter, Alexa, while I had to stay with Kendall in the hospital how I could watch my two-year-old daughter suffer from the side effects of treatment. I was down on my knees begging God for there to be another way, begging to trade places with her, praying that this was all a bad dream. But this was our new reality, and the only way out was through. Philippians 4 verse 13 was one of the first verses that came to my mind, and I would recite it over and over while pacing back and forth in her hospital room. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I guess I felt like if I said it enough, it would become true eventually. Well, it took some time before I felt any strength. But day by day, we became adjusted to our new life. I pressed into the Lord instead of away, and I asked him to help me and empower me with his strength to make it through each day. People would tell me, and still do today, that I am so strong, but it was never my own strength. It was God who gave me the strength to keep going when I wanted to quit. I found every encouraging verse I could, and I wrote them all out on a poster, and I hung them on the wall so I could be reminded of his truths every day. I knew I couldn't do this on my own. 
When my whole world was changing, God remained my rock and my constant. Once Kendall started to feel a little better and was more herself, I started to feel better too. She found her smile again, and I did too. We began to make the most out of every day just like we always did. I never knew that you could have so much fun inside four walls of a hospital room, but Kendall showed me how. She tried her best to still be a kid. My funny, silly girl I knew and loved shined through, and she did her best to make us all laugh. She found joy in playing with all the new toys people brought her, joy in playing with the art and music therapists, and joy in making friends eventually with the nurses, doctors, and child life specialists. Here was my little girl fighting one of the hardest battles, all while choosing joy. I myself found joy in watching how she responded to the suffering she faced. She rarely complained and she was so brave. And if I was having a hard day, she would lift me up and say to me, it'll be okay, mommy. She was teaching me and many others so much, but I knew as soon as she wasn't feeling well again that I would lose my happiness. So I knew I was going to need a joy that couldn't be stolen, a joy that was rooted not in the things of this world or based on my circumstances, but in God and his kingdom. I stumbled across the book Choose Joy by Kay Warren early on in Kendall's journey. Finding this book was the turning point for me and how I was going to respond to what we were facing. The definition she gave for joy matched up perfectly to what my heart was feeling. She says that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in all things. And this became our new family motto for Kendall's journey, choose joy. I knew that God was with us in this trial. He was present, even if at times I couldn't feel him. I knew that he had a plan, even if it looked different than mine. I knew that I could turn on the worship music and praise him in the storm even when it hurt or I didn't want to. I also knew that God promised heaven to those who believe. Even if Kendall wasn't able to be healed here, I knew she would be in heaven. I could have joy because of who he is and what he was going to do through Kendall's life. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, Paul says to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Romans 5, verses 3 through 5 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. These verses gave me the confidence and assurance in Christ to allow me to experience joy even in our suffering. Joy didn't mean, though, that we were happy all the time or that the situation wasn't hard. Joy wasn't the absence of sorrow, but it was having the presence of God in our lives. He had not abandoned us, and we made the choice to continue to trust him, even though we didn't understand why Kendall had to go through this. Joshua 1 verse 9 was one of my battle verses. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
and that he was. He met us there in that hospital and provided what we needed to endure each day. He carried us through the darkest moments of our lives. He was our guiding light. We looked for joy around us every day, even on the hardest of days. And if we couldn't find joy in earthly pleasures, we knew that we always, always had our joy in Jesus. And no one could take that from us. Kendall was in and out of the hospital for the next 16 months. I would stay with her Monday through Friday on treatment weeks and then switch off with Wes on the weekends. The hospital was our second home. She was growing up there. I lost track of how many days we stayed there, but it was hundreds. Kendall had many complications from treatments that would land us back in the hospital for many unexpected stays. Neighbors and family helped with Alexa and all the additional support we received from our community was beyond amazing. God put a tribe of people in place for us and we couldn't have done it without them. She was treated at three different hospitals, which were Sloan Kettering in New York City, UH Seidman Cancer Center, and Cleveland Clinic Children's. She braved numerous rounds of chemo, a 10-hour tumor resection surgery, tandem bone marrow transplants, x-ray and proton radiation therapy, and two rounds of immunotherapy. I had never seen someone suffer as much as Kendall did. She went through more in 16 months than some do in their entire lives. Despite all these harsh treatments, Kendall still laughed and danced and played and made the most of her time on her good days. She had a kind, compassionate, loving spirit, and she stole hearts everywhere she went. There was always something so special about Kendall from the moment she was born. While initially her cancer responded well to the chemo, as time went on, her cancer progressed through treatments. We would work so hard to get her through each treatment, all while believing that particular treatment was the one that was going to cure her. We then felt so defeated and hopeless with each disappointing scan result. Kendall's cancer became chemo-resistant and began to take over her little body. We decided to take her home on hospice to live out the rest of her days. We made some beautiful final memories with her, including an early Christmas with Santa and princesses. She passed away peacefully in her sleep on October 13th, 2018, at just four years old. I experienced an overwhelming sense of peace in that moment, knowing that she was face to face with Jesus and safe in his arms. I knew she was finally healed, set free from her pain, and more alive than ever in heaven. I truly felt that he had rescued her from any further suffering. The hardest day for us was the best day for her as she stood surrounded in the glory of God. I had deep mourning from the pain of losing her, but also joy and peace from our Savior because of his promises to us. Revelation 21 verse 4 says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. 
I could only imagine what she was experiencing in her new home in heaven and how much joy she was filled with in the presence of God. I put on the song, I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me that morning of her passing. Worship had been such an essential part of her journey and I couldn't think of a better song to play as family and friends gathered around her and saw her finally at peace. My daughter has lived in heaven for three years now. In my grief, I have experienced Christ in a way I never have. I have been taught life lessons I otherwise never would have learned. Losing my daughter could easily have destroyed my faith, but instead my faith is stronger. There are times when my faith has been challenged, times when I've questioned whether I had prayed enough, was good enough, or wondered if I had done something wrong to not receive a miracle here on earth. But after much wrestling with God and spending a lot of time in the word looking for answers, I experienced God's love deeper than I ever had before. His love is like no other. I came to have a better understanding of Jesus' heart and knew that what happened to Kendall hurt him just as much as it did me. What broke my heart broke his too. He's a sympathetic and understanding savior who has sustained me through the unimaginable. He never promised us that life would be free of trials and heartache on this earth. Instead, he tells us in John 16, that we will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because he has overcome the world. I found peace in knowing that God knew Kendall's purpose for her life before she was even conceived after reading Psalm 139, verse 16. All of her days were numbered for her, and there was nothing my husband and I could have done different to change that. Finding this verse in my grief freed me of all the what-ifs that haunted me. I never thought that I could survive losing my daughter, but with God walking beside me, I am. He's never left my side. It hasn't been easy, and there are still moments the grief consumes me, but he has provided all I have needed to survive. I'm more dependent on him now than ever. He gave us our amazing tribe of family, friends, and brothers and sisters in Christ who have loved us back to life and who helped to carry our burdens. While I will never fully heal until the day I join Kendall in heaven, I can continue to grow and be transformed through my pain. I know God will not waste this pain and he will use it for his good and for his glory. He's already given me many glimpses that he has. I'm so grateful for the peace that surpasses all understanding that I found in the Lord in my time of grief. I had heard about his peace and read about it so many times before, but to truly experience it for myself has been so beautiful. Isaiah 26 verse 3 has become my life verse through Kendall's life. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I choose to fix my mind on God's truths and promises and believe that he works for the good of those who love him. There are so many why questions that I may never have the answer to this side of heaven, but shifting my focus off of the whys and choosing to trust, believe, and move forward with God keeps me in his perfect peace. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 gives me hope that one day I will gain a true understanding. Paul says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, 
just as God now knows me completely. Someday I will know why Kendall had to go home so soon. I'm so honored that God chose Wes and I to be Kendall's parents. He knew that she would only be here on this earth for four years and he entrusted us to love and care for her during that time. And even if God would have told me the plan he had for Kendall's life before she was brought into this world, I would have signed up anyway. I would surely take the four years I had with her over none at all. I wouldn't be who I am today without my daughter. I wouldn't have the faith that I have now without her. I came to know Christ in a way I never have through her life, and she taught me so much. I'm a better person for knowing and loving her. Since Kendall has been gone, we have been on a mission to give back to all those who so kindly gave to us in our time of need. We knew we wanted to give back to the hospital for taking such good care of us and for providing entertainment and toys for Kendall during our stays. We also wanted Kendall's memory to live on in the hospital and for whatever we chose to do to represent her well. Two years ago, we started Kendall's Closet in her memory. It's a card at Cleveland Clinic Children's that is filled with costumes and accessories for the pediatric cancer patients. When I look at the card, all I see is Kendall. She loved to dress up and be fancy. You would often find her in her hospital bed wearing a princess gown. The costumes brought her joy and we wanted to spread that same joy to the other patients and brighten their days. Kendall's life left an imprint on the hearts of many. She taught us all how to fight big battles with bravery and courage. She taught us how to find light in the darkness, joy in the journey, and beauty in the pain. She taught us how to have fun and stay positive in the hardest of times. She taught us how to persevere through our trials and find something to be thankful for. She showed us the love of Jesus and taught us to be bold in our faith as she belted out Jesus loves me from our hospital bed. One little girl has changed the lives of many. I will continue to choose joy as I live out my days instead of bitterness, grumbling, or anger in honor of my daughter. I know that is what she would want. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. This verse represents my grief journey well as I have cried many tears in the still of the night. But then the morning comes and his joy fills my heart because of what I know is true about my Jesus the one who gave his life for me. Kay Warren says that the day we meet Jesus in person and see the brightness of who he is, it will all come together for us. The sorrow will disappear forever and only the joy will remain. Until then, I hold on to the hope I have in Jesus. I keep my thoughts fixed on him so I can continue to be covered in his peace. I know my daughter received the ultimate healing and better days are ahead. I know how our story ends. One day, we will get our happily ever after and see our daughter again. And that is worth rejoicing over. Thank you.
As we light these four candles in honor of you, we light one for our grief, one for our courage, one for our memories, and one for our love. The light of the first candle represents our grief. The pain of losing you is intense. It reminds us of the depth of our love for you. The light of the second candle represents our courage to confront our sorrow, to comfort each other, and to change our lives. The third candle is a light to all of our memories of you, to the times we laughed, the times we cried, the times we were angry with each other, the silly things we did, the caring and joy you gave us. This fourth candle is the light of our love. As we enter this holiday season, day by day, we cherish the special place in our hearts that will always be reserved for you. We thank you for the gift your life brought to each of us. We love you always. If I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tight Now what I'd give for one more day with you Cause there's a wound here in my heart Something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal the time But I know you're in a place Where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine The only scars in heaven There won't be such thing is broken and all the old will be made new and the thought that makes me smile now even as the tears fall down is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now Anything 
Would you stand as we sing this last song together, just singing about the arrival of Jesus? Thank you. 